We started last week on a, on a journey with Jesus. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark, and here's our, our heart's desire, and I'll tell you this repeatedly kind of in the beginning to get it ingrained in us, is that as we walk with Mark, uh, as Mark writes the story of Jesus, that we're going to be like the disciples. And you understand, Mark wasn't one of the twelve, right? He just he never met Jesus. He wrote about him from his influence from Peter, um, probably. And um, that that is, he records a story of the disciples walking with Jesus. And really, it's the story of Jesus. Remember the first verse? The story of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? That as we walk with Jesus through these days, we're going to experience what the disciples experienced. And what they experienced was this. They were completely transformed in three years. That in three years they walked with Jesus and they became so different that they, God used them to literally turn the world upside down. And that you and I are in church today because of Jesus spending three years with 12 guys on the other side of the world 2,000 years ago. That's impacting. And you know what? And, and as I sit here, sometimes our faith is so small. I say, God, our world is more messed up than their world was. And if 12 people could walk with you for three years and you would give them your spirit and then you would use them to turn the world upside down, God, you can do that through us here today in this community. Do you believe that? That's God's plan. And you know how it all starts? It doesn't start... We always do this. We say, oh, look at it out there. It doesn't start out there. It starts in here. It starts with God transforming us and making us different. It starts with God helping us to walk with Him in such a way that we hear His voice. And we say, God, I'll do what you want me to do by, by partnering with you. Let's take an example, the, the ministry to the Hispanic ministry. We could say, well, we don't want to do that. And God would say, okay. But, God, but if we say, God, I want to walk with you, we get to be part of his transformation in people's lives. That God can speak to you in the workplace and say, as you've walked with Jesus and you're challenged to be more like him and his disciples, and say, I want you to speak to this person, reach out to that person, and you take the risk of faith and you do something, and God does a miracle in their life. And God used you then to expand the kingdom. God's still doing this kind of miraculous transformation in lives, and I'm praying that he does it in my life and in your life as we walk through the Gospel of Mark together. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to start in verse 2 today, and we're going to read through verse 8. Reading about John the Baptist. Verse 2 says this. It says, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist, that was a prophecy about John. John the Baptist, verse 4, appeared in the wilderness preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locust and wild honey, and he was preaching and saying, One after me one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the throng of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 1, Mark told us he's going to tell us about Jesus. He's going to tell you about the story of, about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the gospel of him. But before he begins to tell the story of Jesus' life and ministry, he first ties the story of Jesus, which will become what you see in your New Testament. He ties the story of Jesus to the Old Testament. And he, he shows us 
and this is what John the Baptist is all about, he shows us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise of a Savior, of a Messiah. And if you want to know more about that, get the podcast from last week because we talked about that a lot. And the way he ties the old and the new together is that he does this by introducing this character, this man named John the Baptist. John serves as a bridge between the Old Testament way of life and thinking and the New Testament way of life and thinking. You see, John fulfills the prophecies that said that a prophet would come into the world before the Messiah came and this prophet would come and he would prepare the way of the Lord, make a way for Christ. And that's what verses 2 and 3 are all about. They're prophecies from Old Testament prophets that say someone's coming, he's going to prepare the way of the Christ, and then the Christ will come. They're prophecies from Isaiah and Malachi. And so John comes on the scene just before Jesus, and he comes like an Old Testament prophet with a message from God to the people of God. Now here's the amazing thing about John, an amazing thing just about how God works in general. It'll, it'll challenge the way you think if you're very self-willed and think you just make life happen your own. And an amazing thing about John is that it's this, that, that John, that God knew what God was going to do through John even before John was born. You know God's got a plan for you? You know God's plan for you is way more than just making money? Just way more than, than having fun? God's plan for you is to change lives. God had a plan for John that happened before even his birth. The Gospel of Luke, and we're not going to turn there, it would just take too long, but I can, I can summarize it for you. The Gospel of Luke records that even before his conception, that God had a special plan for John. You see, John's father was a man named Zechariah. And Zechariah was a, was a priest, a, a Jewish priest who served in the temple. And his wife's name was Elizabeth. And the thing about John and Elizabeth is that they were kind of like another couple we meet in the Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah, in that they were godly people who served the Lord, but they had lived their entire lives without ever having a child. And now they're old, they're past childbearing years, she's barren, and Zechariah is serving in the temple. And one day while he's serving in the temple and, and his wife's at home and he's serving there as a priest and it says he's, he's going in to burn incense in the temple and everybody's waiting outside as he goes into the temple to do duty unto the Lord. And it says while he's there, the angel Gabriel comes and appears to him in the temple and the, the angel tells him something amazing. To an old man with an old wife who can't have a baby, he says, you're going to have a son. I have to imagine he felt for a moment like Abraham. He says, what? He said, you're going to have a son. And Gabriel said this about his son. He says, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. even tells him his name. And he says that he's going to be named John, and you're to dedicate him as a Nazarite from his very birth. A Nazarite was a, was a person who took special vows to be specially dedicated unto the Lord in the, in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish religious system. And it says that he's going to be a Nazarite who's going to then be the forerunner of the promised Messiah. He said, he's the one. And you have, you're not even pregnant yet. He says, you're going to have a baby. His name's going to be John. And this is what's going to be happened. This is what's going to happen with him. Well, when Zechariah hears this, he did what you and I would have done. He says, you've got to be kidding me. doesn't say he actually says those words, but he says something like that. He says he questioned what he was told by the angel Gabriel. And because he questioned him, Gabriel says, you know what? Because you didn't believe me, um, you're not going to be able to speak. You're going to be moot. Mute, moot, mute, <laughs> moot, <laughs> until, until that baby's born. 
And so scripture says that, that um, that's exactly what happened, that he was mute until the baby was born and then named. And they're arguing over what the name's going to be, and all of a sudden John's grabbing a, a, something to write on. He says, his name will be John. And when he says that, boom, he begins to speak again. And the scriptures say that when people heard about this, because it's a very public thing, he's the priest in the temple making offerings, and he comes out and he's telling them he can't speak, but he communicates to them, the angel has appeared to me and we're going to have a child. And it says in the scriptures that as he grew up, all who heard about, rather was he's in the womb, all who heard about him wondered, it says, what God would do through John. Because they understood that surely John had a, had a special part in the plan of God. So we see later in John's life, he grows up through his, through his young life, doesn't say anything about him, but find out that when he's becoming a young man, um, that he moves off into the wilderness. And he goes off into a desert place, but near the Jordan River, he begins to preach. And people look to him like they look to the Old Testament prophets. And they begin to say, this is the prophet of God. In fact, he comes, goes out in the wilderness as a prophet, and that's why verse 6, if you're wondering why verse 6 is included in your text, it says the clothes he wore and the food he ate. You know why it says that he wore the type of clothing he did, camel's hair and a leather belt, and he ate locust and wild honey? Very real reason why. Not just that he was weird. It was that he was, they were, he was identifying himself with Elijah the prophet, who was the most revered of all prophets in Judaism because that was the similar things to what he did. So people said, this guy is a prophet. So John the Baptist comes as a prophet to prepare people to receive the Messiah who would soon follow him. So he goes off in the wilderness and he begins to preach. And friends, the message that John preached, we find by looking at it in these texts, had three components to it. And you say, well, that was good for them, but I want to tell you something this morning. That really the message that he preached and what we find in this text is just as important for us today as it was for those folks back then. Because here's what we know about our world. People still need to come to Jesus. He was the one saying the Messiah is coming. We're the ones who say the Messiah has come. But people still need to come to Jesus, the Messiah. They still need to be prepared to receive Christ. And that's what John was doing. So it makes it very, very great sense for us to look at what he preached and see what it has to say to us. So let's look at that today. So his message begins by preaching a baptism, it says this in verse 4, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John came calling people to turn from their lives filled with sin to lives filled with God. I want you to imagine the scene with me this morning. Take it out of the context of sitting in Portview Church in a nice pew and air conditioning, listening to the ser- listening to the story read from the scriptures, and put yourself back two thousand years ago on that day and those days when he did this. This is what it probably looked like. Hundreds and maybe thousands of people went out to the barren wilderness, and they found this man wearing le- camel's hair and a leather belt. And John either stood next to or maybe right in the Jordan River. And he preached. And what it says he preached about is he preached about sin. He wouldn't be a very popular guy today. Matter of fact, all this church growth experts say you can't preach about sin and grow a church because people don't want to hear about it. Well, the scripture has something different to say. John stood there in the wilderness. He didn't come in the middle of the city. He went out in the wilderness and he preached about sin. And hundreds and even thousands of people went and listened to him in the wilderness. And as he preached about sin, he may have even named names. He may have said, Bob, you did this. And John, you did that. And Frank, you did that. Now, we don't know that, that he did that. But we do know later in his life that's exactly what he did. 
when he said to the king, Herod, you're in adultery, and you're living with your brother's wife, Herodias, and it's a sin. And him standing there and naming names cost him his head, literally, because later in his life, because he did that, his head was chopped off and given to, the, to Herodias on a platter. So he may have even named names. And he tells people that what they need to do is turn from their lives of sin to the sinless Lord. And then he called people to respond. He didn't just say you need to change. He called them to respond. He said, you respond now and come down into the Jordan River with me and I'll baptize you. I'll take you and I'll, I'll dunk you under the water and I'll bring you back up. And, and so John calls them and he, he brings them to respond and they come and he, he dunks them under the water of the Jordan very publicly to symbolize the cleansing of their sins and the beginning of a new clean life in Christ. You see, John's message was meant to cause people to, to have a change of heart. See, he understood that man's greatest enemy then, as man's greatest enemy is today, is sin. Because sin separates man from God. So John stood and he called people to turn from sin and to turn to God. Now it's interesting to me, and I, and I think it's, it's, it should be interesting to you, that, that it says this, as he stood in the wilderness and he preached about sin... It says in verse 5 that all the country of Judea was going out to him and that they were confessing their sins. Have you ever thought about that? There's a guy out in the wilderness of Newburgh in the Milwaukee River. And he's preaching about sin. Would thousands of people go out to hear him say, hear him preach and maybe name him by name? But he went out there, it says, into all the country, that all the country was going out to him and they were confessing their sins. Have you ever asked yourself, why would they do that? Why would they listen to some guy who dresses strangely and eats weird food telling them that they need to stop sinning and then to publicly acknowledge their sin and seek cleansing and forgiveness? You know why people would do that? It's because people know that they need to be forgiven. People, even if they can't put it into words, even if they can't express it to you, something inside of them says, I need to find forgiveness. And he was saying, this is what you need. And they were identifying, exactly, that's what I need. Because people know that they need forgiveness. They know they're uncomfortable without finding forgiveness. And so as he began to preach about sin, but began to preach about forgiveness of sin... People flooded to the wilderness to meet him because people know that they need forgiveness. They know that things aren't right in their lives and they wish things could be better. And friends, when people encounter the authentic presence of God, which is what they encountered through John because he was anointed by the Spirit of God, even in the womb it says that they want to run to him, to God. When people encounter the authentic presence of God, they run to God instead of running away. You see, people are lost and people are empty without God. They were then and they are today. And it doesn't matter who they are or what they have, nothing else satisfies. And friends, that's what's offered to every person, was offered then and is offered to every person in our world today. To give up on an empty, sin-filled life and to experience sins forgiven and to experience real life in Christ. John said he's coming. We say he's come and he's here. He still offers it today. Friends, this message is just as important today as it was then. The message of repentance and forgiveness. And the question we need to ask ourselves in this place today, every one of us, is this. 
Have we made that exchange yet? Have we exchanged the sin life for real life in Christ? Because it's still available. And we might not go into the Jordan River, but we go into our baptism tank and we say we still recognize the need for transformation. Amen? Amen. It's real today. Now, John's message didn't stop there. Look at verse 7 with me for the next thing we want to see. It says, And his preaching, and he was preaching rather, and saying, After me one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the throng of his sandal. As John looked forward to the ministry of Jesus, he makes it very clear. Jesus is greater than John. That's, that's what he's trying to make a point. That's part of his message. That, you know what, I'm preaching the message of repentance, but I'm also saying that one out there, Jesus, is greater than me. You see, John understood his celebrity. He knew that people looked to him as a prophet of God. He knew that people elevated him, probably to superstar status, almost godlike, because they saw him as an anointed one of God. But John knew better. Friends, if you're elevated in this world, you know better. At least you better know better. Because we all know ourselves. John knew better. He didn't believe his press reports. He said, you may think I'm something, but I'm nothing. He's everything. That's what he, that's what he preached. John understood that he, was, that he was just a child of God. He understood that he had done nothing special to be chosen as a forerunner. As a matter of fact, that it happened before he was even born. And friend, that says something to us. Sometimes we look at our lives and we see ourselves as up here, others as down there. John didn't see that. He understood we're all right here and Jesus is up there. That's an important message. See, John's message rightly exalted the one who, t- who, who truly was to be exalted. Jesus, the Son of God. And when Jesus' star began to rise... He came on the scene and all of a sudden Jesus became popular and people started to look to Jesus more than they did to John. Do you know what John said? He didn't do what people would normally do. Do something more extreme. Do something more spectacular to get the crowds to stay with you. He didn't do that. He said, no, I must decrease and he must increase. John gave glory and praise where it was due to God alone. And friends, we can learn a lot from this, from this point of his, of his lifestyle, of, of his message and his preaching. And it's this. People need to meet Jesus. They need to meet a Savior. They need to understand that Jesus is the answer. You see, when people come into our church, when they come into Portview, I want them to meet Jesus. I want them to experience the presence of the reality of the Spirit of Christ. You know, it is nice when people meet us. It is nice when people like us. I like to be liked, and I want you to be liked. And I hope people do like us when they come in. But if they only meet us and they don't meet Jesus, we haven't done our job. It's all about Jesus. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we telling people about Jesus? Or are we just telling people about our church and its people and its ministries? Because people need Jesus. You know, if you know Jesus, then my challenge to you is to follow John's example and to point people to Him. Because guess what, friends? He's alive and well. 
You don't have to worry about whether Jesus will reveal himself. If somebody's showing interest, it's only because the Spirit of God is already drawing them. And our job is now take them the rest of the way and point them to Jesus. John understood it's all about Christ. That it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's not the gospel of Mark. Grab your Bible. Turn to the beginning of Mark. How many times did you look at my heading here says, Does yours say the gospel of Mark? It doesn't say that, does it? What's it say? The gospel according to Mark. This is the gospel of who? Verse 1. The gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus according to Mark. And that's what, that's what we understand. That it's all about Jesus. And John understood that. He understood that it's, that it's, the, it's not the gospel of Mark. It's not the gospel of Mary. It's not the gospel of Martin Luther. It's not the gospel of the Pope. It's the gospel of Jesus. And that's what it's all about. John understood that. We need to understand that from his message. Amen? Let's look at the third thing. John makes one more point in his message about Jesus. And it's very, very relevant to us, especially today on Pentecost Sunday. Look at verse 8. It says, And I baptize you with water, but He, the Messiah, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, John was limited. John baptized with water, but Jesus offers something that John could not. Jesus offers a life filled with the Spirit of God. You see, Jesus offers the best life of all. A life filled with the very reality of the presence of God by the Holy Spirit. And friends, when someone turns from sin to Jesus, he not only gets forgiveness of sins, but he also gets the very life of Christ within the Holy Spirit, does the work of regeneration, of forgiveness within their life. The Spirit of Christ resides within the child of God. And one goes from empty religion to a living relationship with God because of the reality of the Holy Spirit. And friends, beyond that, as a follower of Christ... We not only have the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives, we can literally be baptized in the Holy Spirit's presence. That's what the day of Pentecost is all about. Believers can be just as thoroughly immersed in the Spirit of uh, the Spirit as John's followers were immersed in the waters of the Jordan River. You see, John promised that Jesus would give his followers a spirit filled existence. Understand with me, church, that is to be the norm. The kind of life God has for you is a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's why Pentecost Sunday is on your calendar. It's so we don't forget that Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's a a life of, of spirit power is available to us. A life of spirit empowerment is available to us. A life of spirit holiness and spirit gifts and signs and wonders and miracles and spirit empowered prayer is all part of the package that we have available to us when we come to Christ. Life isn't any more about keeping a list of rules. It's not about religion. It's about Christ himself living through us empowering us, guiding us, blessing us, filling us with His very presence. But see, the Christian life is a life of the reality of Jesus dwelling within you, where you can rest in Him and allow Him to live His life through you. 
Friends, it's a life of love and of grace and of challenges and of blessings and of power. That's the Spirit-filled life. Verse 8, it says, And I baptize you with water, but He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And friends, i got to challenge us today, challenge me today. If you are a follower of Christ, if you have asked Jesus into your life, have you also asked Him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit? Scripture is very clear. It says, Ask and you shall receive. Ask in prayer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for a life of spiritual power. And this is what I know from my life, and this is what I know from Scripture, and this is what I know from the hundreds of other people's lives, that if you ask, you will receive. And God will take you beyond empty religion. The worst thing in the world is empty religion. Just following rules. But a life of reality of Christ, filled with His Spirit, is a life of joy and power and challenge but it's a life of empowerment. That's what God has. Ask and you shall receive. Ask in prayer. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit for a life of spiritual power and you'll receive that. Matter of fact, at the end of our service today, in just a few minutes, if you say, I know Christ, but I've not asked Him to fill me with the Spirit, I challenge you to to come forward this morning and spend some time talking to God and asking Him to fill you with His Spirit, and myself and Pastor Bruce will pray with you that you'll receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you have never come to the point where you have turned from your life of sin to Jesus. You're like those people that were standing on the banks of the Jordan River in the crowd listening to John the Baptist. Today, guess what? We can respond just the same way they did. We can respond to that call that's going on inside. Something inside them drew them to the wilderness to hear a strange man talking about sin. That's the Spirit of God. That same Spirit still drawing people today. And you could be sitting here today and say, I feel that draw. And you would, you would walk, to the, you'd walk to the wilderness right now because something's saying you're tired of sin. If you're tired of sin... Today you can respond to that call that's going on within you. And you can come to Christ and receive forgiveness. And you can leave your past behind you. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning?